Welcome to Talking in Stations, a podcast about EVE Online. I am Matt Arall, and we're going to talk to some very interesting people uh, today. I'm going to start with the person that you see on screen here. That is Scott Manley. How's it going? Hello. <laughs> it's going great. <laughs> you guys recognize that voice? You should. He has over a million followers on YouTube, over 300 million views on his videos, and it all started with EVE Online. That's right. Oh, yeah. First EVE Online video was my four-year-old daughter playing the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's awesome. fly, yeah, just trying to show that EVE Online isn't that difficult. Uh, we're going to actually get to more of that. I want to hear more about how you started and how you built up such a crazy big audience. Um, but let me finish the introductions here with Scott, uh, with um, Kellon. You may know from winning the Marian Championships. No, not Championships. Marian Succession Trials. It was Kaldari Championships, a Marian Succession. Uh, succession trials. Kellon, how are you doing? It's nice to meet you. Doing pretty good here. Awesome. Uh, boy, this is going to be an interesting show. Very interesting people. And then later on, we're going to have Naros and Killabee come on and tell us what's going on in the north. Okay. So something happened that is very rare in EVE Online. There was, um, well, two years ago was the last time we saw uh, CCP open up the ability to use Plex uh, as a mechanism to gather money uh, for a charitable event. Uh, and this time, uh, what what is that called? Plex for Good. Plex for Good, thank you. So Plex for Good used to happen uh, every time there was a big, big disaster, a global disaster. Uh, and the, the fires in Australia are now considered a global disaster. EVE Online has opened the program again, and people have been uh, donating their Plex, that's their in-game uh, pilot license uh, to CCP, and CCP will take the equivalent in real money and send that to relief efforts uh, in Australia. So that that's been going on for I think a couple of weeks now. Well, something very interesting happened in the middle of that. Uh, we saw the most expensive, maybe the one of the rarest, most expensive ships go up for sale in order to gather plex in order to give to that. Uh, Plex for good. And that was the gold magnet that Kellon had won. And he was selling that. And Scott picked it up for a million Plex. So that's a huge, huge um, effort. Both of you guys did a great thing. And uh, we're going to talk about that again in just a second. But first, I want to actually get to know Scott a little bit better. Tell us um, early on how you started with uh, EVE Online and started building up your fortune to buy 100 million Plex. Oh, I was a terrible player for a long time, for sure. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I I started with EVE Online and I was a very care bearer for a very long time. But I got very good at analyzing the market and following the forums and doing number crunching. I got into Technetium very early on and uh, then started making investments. And when the Noctis came out, oh, I had, that was an amazing day for me because I remember heading deep out into the outer rim I was logged out there waiting for the blueprints to come for sale after you know downtime. Remember f this race out with my uh, yeah. interdiction, uh, you know, immune tengu, sneaking through like bubbles where there were tons yep. of wrecks of covert ops and everything with like <laughs> half a dozen, or maybe I think it was a dozen blueprints in my hold. And I just started building them. The first Noctis I sold, right? Salvage ship. Um, I, I sold it for 340 million isk. That was early on. People were paying ridiculous amounts. 
Yeah, we should explain that when when that ship came on, it was considered it was a new ship, so that was interesting. But it was also built by Or Outer Ring yeah. Explorations or something, and so it was really the BP the blueprint was only accessible through this uh, one or two stations, I think, out in, in Outer Nelsic. Ring. Yeah. So you had to, uh, it was like a death race to get out there, get the blueprint, build these ships and sell them while they were hot. So a lot of people were trying to do it and they were all dying in the process. Yeah. But also because it was a salvage ship and all the mission runners wanted to have this dedicated salvage ship, they sold, the, the market was just, had a huge demand. And the next thing that happened is the market started running out of Noxium, which is one of the minerals that's very highly needed in, uh, or ships, you know, the Hults and the uh, all the other ones. I forget their names. <laughs> all the mining ships. Yeah. And and I'd done a bunch of analysis and found all the things I could buy and melt down. And I'd had huge piles of like medium meta smart bombs and stuff that I'd got so I could make money on it. And eventually the price got high enough that I could start buying Paximaria from NPC agents. And I, so I'd set up these huge buy orders and they would all get fulfilled instantly. And I set up bait orders to make sure nobody else was doing it. And yeah, I was melting down, must be billions of Bibles <laughs> to supply New Eden's need for salvagers. And that's where I got most of my money. Um, and then, you know, what happened later was, of course, I started posting EVE Online videos with referral links, and that just compounded everything. So I, at that point, I wasn't playing the game so much, but um, you know, my f most fun I had in EVE was when I was trying to make that market work. And so, yeah, I think you know, millions of Plex, I've probably referred thousands of players at this point uh, via my YouTube mm -hmm. videos. I've got one that's called the 10 things you need to know when starting EVE Online and like 1.7 million people have viewed it. and Some of those have clicked on the referral link. So, yeah. yeah. We saw somebody who said that you're the reason they stayed in EVE or got involved in EVE in the first place. Like, we saw that when we... Uh, there's uh, a lot of people was, for sure. Yeah. But, you know, I think EVE just attracts people with the stories. And I've told a few stories. My Fountain War video was very popular as well. Yeah. And that sort of paints a picture of a large scale alliance combat. But uh, a lot of people join the game and then never see any of that because they want to stay in high sec. Yeah, that video, I used it as reference uh, just to get the, the beginning and the end and everything in between for Fountain War. When I was doing the Continuum of War speech in Las Vegas. So it, was, it was part of the preparation. I did a ton of interviews, but that was kind of a really easy way in 15 minutes to find out how the Fountain War began and where it ended. And you had such great information all the way through. But I think yeah. the, the key to that was just your, and, and maybe the, one of the keys to your success is you and your great delivery and uh, how, you, uh, how you actually lay out the story. I think the, it, having details is one thing. Being able to communicate them in an engaging way is a totally different thing. Well, thanks. <laughs> and we hope that you will show us how to do it so we can do it better. <laughs> oh, man, I don't know. You just got to ask me to tell stories, really. But yeah, these days I, I don't play EVE so much. I post science videos because um, I really love space stuff. Right. So you do a lot of... Uh, I've looked at your Wikipedia. You're one of the few EVE players that has a Wikipedia listing. And you play um, a lot of science games because that's your actual interest, right? Engineering or space? Yeah, yeah Kerbal Space Program. And I like to do uh, you know, Space Engine, Universe Sandbox, and try to explain orbital mechanics and how rockets work. 
And then also tell stories about real, you know, rockets. Like I told a story this week about a cosmonaut who almost died on re-entry when his spacecraft went the wrong way. That was a fun one. Is that the the Russian cosmonaut that? Um, yes. If they're cosmonauts, they're generally uh, Russian. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, <laughs> see how see how much you know. Um, but there was a really interesting. Um, I was looking at I don't know some space stuff at one point, and they were talking about. Uh, cosmonaut that died in re-entry and they had like ghost recordings of him or something yeah that's a uh, vladimir komarov on soyuz one where it was not ready for prime time and so soyuz five it almost a similar thing almost happened and the spacecraft the guy was going in you know nose first into the atmosphere and he could see the hatch in front of him starting to heat up and the smoke was coming around the seal and he was getting pulled out of his seat and then there was a big bang and his spacecraft fell apart and it f- turned the correct way around. So he survived re-entry, but he broke his jaw. And, you know, when he got there, the first thing he asked for was a cigarette and he complained about it being a very cheap brand of cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. What a great story. And he survived. So it has yes. a good end. Yeah. It landed in uh, a pl- It was in minus 38 degrees. And before you ask whether it's Fahrenheit or centigrade, it doesn't matter when it's that low. <laughs> right. At that point, they, they cross again. over. Yeah. Wow. That's nuts. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to have to go and listen to some of these other uh, space talks that you do on your channel. How often do you produce work? Well, like two to three times a week. Are like they usually long form or 10 minutes? Okay. 10. Yeah. Mostly 10 minutes or so. And is it, um, are they all like edited or do you just kind of turn it on and go? You know, some of them is literally I point a camera at my face and talk for 10 minutes and throw some pictures together. Other times I do research, like uh, I did a great series on nuclear weapon construction, how those work. And that was all very heavily researched um, and all scripted very carefully. Oh, that's fascinating. All right, cool. Today we have you on the show because you did something incredible and you took out a million Plex from your wallet and you bought it from this man, Kellon. Um, real quick, uh, Scott, what, what made you do that? Well, I was going to take out a big chunk of Plex and give it to Plex for good. And I saw this and I felt that this is even cooler. We've got this cool story that we can now tell about spending silly amounts of money on an internet spaceship in the name of charity. I thought it would just, it sounded cooler and I wanted a gold magnet. Really? That <laughs> Like there's so few of those. And I remember logging in to Eve for the first time and doing some research and seeing about these rare spacecraft, the Opux luxury yacht and the gold magnet. And yeah, when the one came up, I was like, I got to get that. And the money is, is going to charity. Not a bad way to get rid of that much money. So that was all possible because Kellon decided to put that up on, I guess, how did you even put that up? Did you just announce it, Kellon? Uh, yeah, I went to the forums and um, a friend of mine went to Reddit because I, I don't have Reddit. So, you know, and went to Reddit. Okay. Someone yeah. has to start the news Reddit because Reddit knows everything. <laughs> um, all right, but let's back up a minute because how did you get into possession of one of the rarest ships in EVE Online? Uh, I had the fortune of uh, being the team captain for the MAR championships, where we, um, which was involved in the MAR succession trials. And uh, our team won. Uh, it was. I managed to pick some of the great great players. We had to beat Chester and friends in round one. That was a really rough 
match, I'll be honest. I mean, prior to the match starting, because mm-hmm. we weren't sure if we were going to beat uh, some of the best players in EVE. So you went, you were the, I guess would be considered an underdog in that very first match? Uh, yeah, Chester and friends were considered top uh, chance to win the whole thing. That's right. It was a big deal. Elise was in that tournament too, but Chester was another big name in that tournament. Uh, those guys do small gang or did small gang all the time. And everybody's heard of them because of their video work on uh, Twitch and stuff. So, and also he'd done announcing for the Alliance tournament. So he was a well-known person with a well-known group of people that were pretty lethal. I think though they usually run around Providence, if I'm not mistaken. And you were able to like uh, defeat them and then go on to, I mean, tell us about that tournament, what it was like to get in it, uh, what the pressure was like and how you ended up uh, getting to the finals, which we'll talk about at the end there. Um, so they announced the, uh, the championship and, uh, I mean, I've been PVPing for a while at that point. I know a lot of PVPers low sec and I was kind of interested in it because I actually felt uh, with a four man team, we had a chance to, um, at least try to get into round two because round one is, uh, elimination basically. And if you get to round two, you get silver magnet. It's like, Oh, if we can get to round two, which is, you only have to win two. That's doable. Right. So if I can get a good team together, we can try to win first two matches. So I managed to get uh, a group together and um, I was waiting to put my um, house I was picking in late because I want to see who signed up for what teams and try to pick the weakest bracket. So I signed up for um, Tash Mercon and shortly afterwards, so did Chesser. I'm like, no! <laughs> so there's, what, how many houses are there for the Amar Empire? Like, there, I don't know how I many there are. I believe there was six for the six? tournament. That's what I thought. Okay. And so each house had two teams? Uh, each house had four teams to start with. Four. So oh. CSP had to whittle it down from the posts for each house and select what they thought were the top four. And let me tell you, there's some controversy, uh, at least on the threads, about uh, PL getting three slots. But I mean, they also have good P- uh, tournament teams. So it's not a big surprise. Yeah, yeah. Well, this tournament was filled with some great PVPers, Kellon among them. You guys managed to survive up to the finals, but then you had to perform and win in front of a live audience in FanFest, in front of a live stream as well. A lot of pressure. It was a lot of pressure. And um, I had to fly all the frigates because nobody else wanted to fly them. And because I was a team captain, I had to take responsibility for the ship nobody wanted to fly. It's like, oh, so you- here's, the, here's the frigate in the comp. Go fly it. And I'm like, well, I mean, you're right. That's my job. <laughs> Well, you came through, you won the, uh, you won the secession trial for your house, uh, which named the, uh, your patron, the new queen. What do you remember her name? I'll put Tash, you on the spot. Katish, uh, Mer- uh, Tash Merkhan. It's Tash Okay. T-I-Z. I'm terrible pronouncing name. So. Yeah, me too. Tell me about it. So she ended up ascending to the throne. So you influenced, uh, the in-game lore and kind of a rarity in this, uh, in this game. Do you think about that at all, or does that not really enter your... Uh, I think about it sometimes. Uh, they actually, um, quote-unquote, killed her uh, like a year or two ago in-game, because I, I don't know why they killed all the in-game characters and remade them for like the ones you use for events. I suspect it has something to do with uh, them updating tools or something, and they couldn't update the old characters. But I have no idea why they did it, but that's my suspicion. So I got a lot of emails saying, oh, look, she's dead! Oh, I see. They technically killed the character, but it wasn't. Yeah, and then they, re- they made a new character that was the exact same person, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's just a change of costume as far as lore is concerned. Yeah, because they all ended up in the, what was it, Heldom, the 
the, the, the biomass corp. Hmm. I, you know, this is a, this is a, th- I missed this. Yeah. I didn't know about this at all. <laughs> yeah. I don't know uh, why they did. I, I suspect it had something to do with tools. So, because they did to every, pretty much all the, uh, NPC characters they use for the live event stuff when they do it, which is not very common these days. Oh, it's wild. We'll have to research that. Um, but for this occasion, you uh, ended up with the gold magnet. There was another gold magnet that died uh, about, mm, let's say, seven months ago. And we had a show on that. That wasn't you, was it? No. Uh, none of them were kind enough to give me their winnings, which because we each got one gold magnet for the Toro. So it was introduced. Uh, the very beginning game, in like 2003, they had MR Championships there because there was also um, another gap in leadership. Sort of like opened the game up and there was a gold magnet rewarded then. So out of five introduced, three have been killed so far. So wow. it could be number four. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Better not fly it. Uh, <laughs> it's a low right. sack. <laughs> Uh-oh. So that brings us to where we are today. Uh, three out of five gold magnets have been destroyed. There's only two now in existence from this latest tournament. One of them just got sold from Kellon, the winner of that gold magnet, over to Scott Manley, who's very popular on YouTube, who put up a million plex, and all that went to charity. Uh, so the question, Kellon, is what made you uh, do that? I mean, I was never going to use it. I mean, uh, I'm sure the Lord's Ob and people have been like, Kellon, you should use the gold magnet. You haven't even got a single kill with it. You should at least undock it once and kill an alt with it. Turns out it's very hard to kill an alt when you don't have one. <laughs> oh, that's right. You only have one account. But I wasn't going to do that anyway. Um, I, I just thought the opportunity cost first actually using it was too much. This part part of the reason I never flew it because, I mean, it represented one ship, or if I sold it, it represented a lot more ships. Yeah. More ships than I could ever realistically fly, honestly. And this was the real, this was the time to, uh, to get rid of it? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's a good cost here. Um, I wasn't gonna fly it myself, and I thought I could good could do some real good. Try to, I tried to work with CCP on it, but um, they weren't able to make it work out. So that's why the auction went up kind of last minute, for, because I, I talked to I sent an email to CCP on day one, and they got back to me about six days later. So, um, so you just did it on your own? Yeah, CCP didn't have enough time to try to work with me because I was hoping maybe we could do bit, like new and wide raffle. Everyone could throw in some misc. Because, you know, it's all for sure. charity. Should have hypernetted that thing. Uh, do you see what happened to the hypernet for the Sate Raven issue? Yes. <laughs> I also don't have enough liquid disk to put in a hypernet because I do believe it requires the money up front. Yeah. But maybe if it's going to charity, CCP could have, like, you know, fronted you the fees to put it on the, on the actual. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I was thinking something. Maybe they could break the, the hypernet system or something for me there. But um, there just wasn't enough time by the time they, uh, they finally managed to find my mail. So for those that don't know, when the Hypernet first came out, they put up a very rare ship, the State Issue Raven, a Raven State Issue. And uh, it was going to go for 4 trillion ISK, which is a gigantic amount of ISK. Uh, very few people have that. Um, but in order to put that up for auction or, or raffle, uh, it cost them, I believe it was 66,000 plex which is, is that what it was? 6,000 6, plex. And they lost that money because the raffle didn't get enough uh, participants in order to actually trigger. So it, it, everything went back to the owners, but they, uh, the fees for putting that up in the first place were lost. And I think it was like 150 billion or so. But that is nothing compared to a million plex. Wow. Like, 
like what is a million plex scott what what is what are we I talking mean, about we, we don't know exactly how ccp is doing the conversion but i mean you know most people are talking 30 to forty thousand dollars in terms of what it would take to buy them uh, uh, we I, don't know how i did some math if we use CCP's official numbers of 4099 USD or euros to 110 plex, it's 45,000. But I doubt they're going to use that number. Yeah. So straight straight conversion to real money is $105,000? Is that no. what you said? 45 grand. Yeah. 45. Okay. 45. But that's like optimal uh, money. It's probably going to be less than that. Yeah. Because they, you know, they are running a business, and some of these plex have been sold by third parties that have taken their cut out, right? Right. So, and they won't tell you how much they're going to convert to to send to Australia, right? Or have they? Uh, if they have, I haven't found it. They haven't said what the value, what the value plex said. Yeah, they just said the real world value. Ah, oh, interesting. Which you know but, they actually get determined for some reason. Yeah. But, you know, even at that side, it does make it probably the most expensive internet spaceship ever sold publicly. And that is, you know, beyond EVE Online as well. There's other games that are selling expensive internet spaceships. And so, uh, you know, that's yeah, something you, that EVE can claim. <laughs> you essentially bought a $45,000 ship. Which, you know, with money that I couldn't convert to the real thing anyway, obviously. Yeah. My wife was like, what?! <laughs> you spend what on I can what explain, i can explain honey <laughs> it wasn't possible it's for a good cause no it was, I, i've had this and i'm you know at a certain point you have so much money in eve and you're making money at such a rate then you know it's just sitting there and you might mm -hmm. as well do something cool with it well this is something cool max singularities in uh, the chat there and he says that costs more than my jeep <laughs> <laughs> uh, Max Singularity wow. is a player who's also uh, very well known for his real life cosmetology. Is that the wait? Did I just uh, say he's a makeup artist? Yeah, I think you just did. That that would be my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're into science, and you raised your daughter. She became a cosmetologist. Well, well she's 15 right now, and she she's in the Scouts, and they had a thing called Code Red yesterday, where they do like first aid scenarios. And she did all the makeup. And if you look on my Twitter, there's some crazy good gore makeup she did on my son for, for giggles. They both had Eve accounts for a while. Uh, they haven't played it recently, but we did occasionally ship up together for, for giggles. Oh, I'm looking at it on the, on the back end here. Yeah, that's some yeah she just loves doing that. <laughs> Yikes. Um... Uh, bonus yeah. points for taking the kids uh, in a couple of months to do the nuclear physics merit badge for scouts. So, oh, wow. uh, yeah, we can do that. <laughs> I was in scouts. I didn't know they had a nuclear physics one. That's amazing. Uh, let's talk about how you made your fortune in order to uh, be able to buy the uh, rare ship for a million plex. Uh, we talked about it a little bit early on, but you started on YouTube uh, making some stories with your daughter. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, as I mentioned, the first, when I started out with YouTube, it was just kind of a, oh, let's make a YouTube account so I can post videos from my new iPhone. Isn't this a cool gizmo? And at some point, I was also an EVE player, been a player for a few years, and I was just always seeing all these people complaining about how difficult EVE is. And I was like, okay, I'm going to put a four-year-old girl flying around New Eden 
And we sort of started with her just flying from one station to another with a big thing in the cargo hold. And then we did some uh, some other things where she, she would go and, and run some missions, shoot some bad guys. And eventually we got some PvP as well. We sat her on a gate in Losec for a long time and we had scouts either side making sure that we got a legit kill. Uh, and there was a rainbow lasered, uh, you know, Amarian destroyer <laughs> as well. That was quite cool. Oh, oh, yeah, and and she actively took part part in the blue ice interdiction, where because at that point I was closer to goons. Wow. She's a pirate. And that was another way I made a ton of money because I sort of had the isotopes sitting around to take advantage of the market movements there. So yeah, there's a video of her and the catalyst going up and killing someone mining in a belt, which was. You know, kind of cool. And yeah, then Kerbal Space Program came along and that's how that went. But Eve obviously went the other way and I stayed in Eve and my intro videos just got a lot of referral clicks. People and people would sign up through my link and I would get Plex. And I tried early on to share with people that signed up to try and like give them something back. I had a corporation called No Bullships. And... (laughs) Yeah, we would. I would give them free stuff, encourage them to join up, and, and very quickly that rat that became impossible because my YouTube audience was creating too many signups. Mm. And yeah. yeah, years later, I stopped playing Eve because this YouTube thing takes far too much time. But uh, I came back especially for this, and yeah, I, I, that was what really I was. I knew I was coming back when I saw Plex for good, and. Then I saw the post on Reddit. and I was like, I got to get this. This is, I don't care what it is. I thought, I got a million subscribers, one million Plex. The symmetry is there. <laughs> it, it just makes sense. And then somebody outbid me on it. We're not really, they, they, we're not a legit bid, but I decided to honor my bidding higher than them. Well, so wait, so you, you bid a hundred million and somebody outbid you? No, I bid, I bid a million. Yeah. And then oh, somebody- one million. A few people joked they came in with higher bids, and then CCP came in and said, "By the way, you know, technically this is might qualify for the no plex scamming. No, no, pl- you know, this might qualify as a scam if you're pushing bids up. You know, I I had plenty more to go. In fact, I had to oh, put a fairly large. I did a personal donation as well, so I can get some of those t-shirts. You know, yeah. I don't know what all those t-shirts I'm getting. <laughs> yeah, you can." <laughs> You were able to clothe so many orphans through New Eden. <laughs> so somebody was trying to push your bid higher and higher and higher, even though they couldn't pay. Uh, I see what they're doing. Yeah. And, and I was good for begging it. Begging for mercy from the D- DMs. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't ban me. Hey, Kellen, how yeah. shocked were you? And, you know, you were expecting to get a lot, but did you think you were going to get that much? No, I think I, th- I was aiming for a one trillion range because I, I felt that tr- one trillion for a unique chip and Eve was pretty fair and That's whatever right. I got over that was bonus right yeah one yeah. trillion isk right and I thought that one million was just a nice round number and sounded cool and I also knew that I couldn't be on the forums you know plus oneing everyone's bid oh yeah so he just came in with a giant Godzilla foot and boom uh, yeah settled, settled business <laughs> Well, that's there were awesome. no serious bids after that came down. Everybody was like, "I I want a bid, but but I don't have enough." Yeah. But I'm uh, nine hundred and eighty thousand plex short. 
But yeah, okay. also the, the fact that it was in Plex made, you know, it meant that you didn't have to convert it on the market. I would have so. definitely lost a good chunk to uh, both taxes and the metal will increase in pricing when you buy a trillion uh, Plex worth. Yeah. Because the price would have definitely gone up because you have to, you buy all the low ones and then there's only yeah. the ones that are waiting for someone like me to buy it. Isn't that interesting? Because we, we've been hearing about this actually in real life, right? If you're listening to the impeachment trial, there's this sort of a thing that comes up before, but you cannot spend or you cannot buy gargantuan amounts of um, items because the market will fluctuate to try to fix that. So you can't even possibly buy a ton of or sell a, a ton of Plex. You can't sell it all at once because you'll kill the market. So you have to, it takes time to unload massive amounts of things, which is interesting. Yeah, see, if I was an active player right now, I would probably be then selling on a ton more Plex and then buying them back in a couple of months when the prices dropped. Ah, so now we know how you made your fortune. I, I did a lot of market analysis. Like, I was a number cruncher, big data all the way. Well, uh, Scott, it's really nice to hear your voice. I think a lot of people will be thrilled when the podcast comes out and people are like, no way, that's coming. Because people know you from your videos and just how much... Uh, exposure you've given EVE Online and now other games as well because you're a serious scientist uh, but it all started with EVE Online. That was the thing that got the hooks in my videos. <laughs> yeah, did you also like, uh, what was it like when you first started compared to where you're at now as far as confidence in front of the in front of the medium? Oh, I mean I've obviously, I was always a confident thing, player uh, speaker but I guess, you know, my technique has improved a whole lot. And, uh, and now I realize that it's important that I accentuate the Scottishness because that means more clicks. <laughs> That's your brand. <laughs> I got to develop some kind of accent. Maybe I could do a Mexican accent of some sort. Yeah. You know, we don't need badges. Um, <laughs> we, we don't need no stinking badges. Uh, this is uh, a real treat. Uh, so thanks very much for coming on and stick around if you want to. We're going to uh, now move into some news, get some people caught up on some of the wars that are happening. And uh, Kellen, it's a real pleasure to meet you um, outside of the tournament space. Are you still flying around in uh, tournaments? And what do you have? Uh, I was signed up for a tournament recently, but they changed some of the dates. So I didn't actually make it for any of the matches. I was on the team, though. We did a lot of practice. We won. Oh. But I wasn't actually in any of the matches. So, you know, it's more of a silent participation there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, real quick, your thoughts on Alliance Tournament and do you miss it? Or is that something uh, I would fun? really love for it to come back um, in some sort of format at least, or at least have more uh, tournament support from CCP. I think currently Thunderdome's having some issues. Yeah. So uh, it would be nice if CCP would. Oh, do you have any information on that? No, just the information I had when um, it was going on. There was the tournament Thunderdome was broken, so the tournament was having issues running. But then they realized they had to fix uh, Thunderdome for the tournaments they were running at all the fan fests, so it got fixed, at least temporarily. I think they still had an issue where it wasn't able to run more than three days in a row because oh. then it broke. Wow, it sounds like the duct tape was melting off. And, well. We'll look to see uh, if they give us any more information. Uh, a lot of people hoping that Alliance Tournament comes back, but we'll see. We, we actually wanted to have a show on the, um, the actual popularity of the Alliance Tournament, if it was worth the effort for CCP and that sort of thing, and really wanted to have that debate because there's really good points on both sides. Uh, but that'll be for another day. 
just curious because you're such a, an advanced player and you perform in low sec or sorry, low small gang uh, activity, which is what the Alliance tournament is built for. Okay. So let's move on to uh, something that's going on. And by the way, it's really nice to meet you guys. Stay here if you can, if you can't, that's okay. Um, I want to introduce our next couple guests. The um, uh, ever popular Killer B is with us. Hello. Hey, Killer B. And we also have with us from Fraternity, their leader, Naros. Hey, friends. How are you doing, Naros? Okay, so Killer B, what's going on up in the north? Can you get us caught up? Yeah, one second. Can you hear me? Yep. It's working? Okay, because I switched to voice activation because push to talk was annoying. And this room is quiet enough. Yeah, so basically, uh, NC Dot has deployed to Tinel a while ago. Actually, can't remember when. Must have been during the summer. It's been a while. And um, we have started to push on that coalition who live in Tinel branch and decline. And we started to make some progress. Then we had a little break around Christmas, obviously, because everybody's gone for Christmas. And things have been picking up a lot lately because we've got some major players moving in. Uh, Nora's being one of them, uh, namely FRT, coming up here and assisting us, which is very important because that coalition's main combat strength is in Russian and Chinese time zone, which is where their two biggest allies, uh, which are Raja Regiment and Siberian Squad, are uh, living in, basically, in that time zone. And uh, we had a very hard time making good progress against that coalition because all of their stuff was defensively timed for their strong time zone, obviously. Uh, now with FRT being up here and VVV as well, uh, which is a, another Chinese alliance who has been around for quite some time, we are finally getting to the point where we can match their numbers and even outnumber them in their strongest time zone, which is obviously a, a big deal. Um, so we've had a couple of bigger form-ups on both sides. Uh, just on, I think it was on Wednesday or Thursday, there was a big uh, form-up for a bunch of IHUBs. There was a total of 13 IHUBs that came out of Reinforce, including um, one of their staging Keepstar IHUBs, which are obviously very important to kill because you managed to take down a Keepstar IHUB. Uh, the system cannot be jammed any longer, and you can siege the Keepstar uh, far more effectively. Um, they did manage to defend the Keepstar IHUB. We managed to kill eight, I think, out of 13 in total. So we didn't get the jackpot. We didn't manage to kill the Keepstar IHUB, but we managed to kill eight IHUBs around that system, which is also good. And we've kind of just been having those kind of timers uh, a lot lately. So that's kind of what's going on. Mm -hmm. And now a uh, very sort of up-to-date development is we've had Goons had a fireside chat on Friday, I think is when they do them, or Saturday. And they announced that they were deploying their NGSA, which is basically their camping and kind of the, the zig they used to shut down ratting and mining by just cloaky camping a lot of systems. They are moving that to uh, OASA, I think, which is yes. part, of, uh, part of drones. And uh, they want to shut down the PV operations going on there because obviously... As you can see in the last monthly economic report, OASA has been gaining incredible bounty ticks, apparently just as much as Delve, almost as much as Delve, which is incredible. Um, I think they care more about the production and mining value there. Yeah, yeah and uh, the, the mining and the uh, production stuff is going very well as well. Mm -hmm. So we've just been, uh, you know, that's happening. And then also I think they announced Goons that is still 
Uh, Goons, I think, also announced that they want to move some of their combat SIGs up here, maybe form a new combat SIG to uh, so they want to get involved, participate. Yeah, obviously, it's yeah, uh, it makes sense for them, right? Because because Dead Coalition is their peer, like Dead Coalition. I don't like calling people pets because I think it's a bit disrespectful. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But um, is there a better word for that? Like, what do you call it? Mm, slave? No. <laughs> <laughs> I just meant yeah. because of Amari and, you know, it's a little more lore. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. basically, obviously, GOTG has been, or Dead Coalition has been aligned with the Imperium ever since, um, ever since Imperium pushed Panfam out of the north, out of Vale and Tribute. And, uh, you know, them being so close to us, it was a logical choice for us to go attack them now that, you know, when the Imperium was done, it was basically the only uh, logical way to go. Uh, obviously, the Imperium is not interested in seeing them fall, I don't think. So they're getting involved now. Uh, Init got involved before Christmas even. I think Init deployed up to... Uh, Init actually staged inside a Darkness Keepstar or a Dead Coalition Keepstar for a while. Mm. Um so they're Before all Christmas. In, yeah. Well, yeah, they were, but they deployed. They didn't do anything. Basically, in it deployed up to the darkness staging, GOTG staging, and they did like three fleets, and then they undeployed again for Christmas, and they've never come back since then. Wasn't a very successful deployment on the end, but uh, well, and I hear sure that tell you the story. Test famously deployed up there too. Uh, they wanted to do it to eliminate uh, Sword Dragon's voting block. Um, well, yeah, they, they deployed to Pure Blind, right? Which is a bit like Pure Blind Branch and and, and Tinel are not exactly close to each other, but it's definitely the same uh, area of influence, I guess you could say. Uh, and we recently saw some activity from Pro God Legend, but has, has it been kind of quiet for them? Yeah, so they had this long. Uh, this has been a while ago, right? But Test had announced this very very long term sort of schedule that they were going for with uh, with what they're going to do as an alliance and as a coalition and um, they had scheduled the stain purge for early january so i think they just kind of they came up north before uh, christmas and new year's they did a bunch of fleets and then new year's came and they, then they went to purge stain or i don't know what exactly they didn't stain honestly i didn't care that much they went to stay and killed some shit and now they want to get more involved again but we'll see if uh if and how much they will actually get involved. I, I'm still not positive that goons are going to let tests help us destroy the oh, coalition. So we'll see when the leash gets pulled, basically. Oh, well, I'm not going to call them pets because that might be derogatory, but I will say when goons That'll pull test leash. <laughs> okay, so... I think, I think it was completely unplanned. For a test to invade GOTG, I think there was some more story that we uh, then we see on the table. Because during the initial uh, really update after our war in Detroit, they plan to at least do some after the stem pad, after the stem purge, they would do some corp deployments, and it was it was supposed to be mandatory to keep kind of keep the alliance activities. You no, know? but then instead they have a full alliance or even coalition up in the north. So that was kind of interesting for me. Yeah, they still managed to take out a stained keep star in the last few weeks. Um, but this did come up all of a sudden. It was very unexpected. Uh, Villy was very public about it. Uh, he actually showed up on Talking In Stations ready to talk about it. It was something that he, he wanted to promote and get out there. But it did come out of nowhere. And he did, uh, they actually did send some people up there. But 
the, the question was, well, wait a minute, if you have initiative working with dead coalition, helping in the defense of their home and test is on their way up to attack that home alongside their rival pandemic legion and NC dot, how is it going to work out when Goonswarm gets involved and test is on the opposite side because they're supposed to be allies? Well, we've, we've been in those kind of situations with PL in the past, back when I was still in PL. We did show up to third party on timers where we were blue with one side. It's quite easy, actually. You just don't shoot your blues, basically. Uh, so, for example, if there's a fight where, let's say, we have Dead Coalition in it and Goons versus NCPL and Test, for example, right? Then Test can still shoot Dead Coalition and in it, but they can shoot Goons, right? So there's still plenty of stuff to shoot for them. Uh, usually, you know, it, it does create a bit of a headache for your diplomats sometimes, but if you want to like get, be involved, then you better be involved. I don't like, pe like, I just don't like half-assing. So I'm kind of waiting for a final, like a definite answer by, well, Vince is waiting for a definite answer by somebody uh, like Willy or Progot. It's like, yeah, we're in or not, right? Because it's like, well, well, we might be involved in some time or blah, blah, blah. this kind of sort of floating uh, thing. It's just not something that we can really work with. Right. Are you reliable or not? Um, oh, basically what we want to know is, are you going to follow, like, are you going to follow through or if there's like a super important timer and suddenly goons make up their mind and Mitani goes like, well, we, you can't help NC with this timer. Like, what are you going to do? Are you going to, like, obviously when we do make these kind of plans and our campaign commander, again, I'm not, by the way, I'm not involved in this campaign in the sense that I don't make any decisions. Um, but our campaign commander, obviously when he plans for a timer or when he maybe plans to attack a Keepstar or an important IHUB. Job wants to know that he can rely on, you know, the, the alliance, and it's it's not very good to calculate or work with if you if there's like the possibility that they might pull out right before the timer because reasons, you know. Right. So who's in charge there in NC? Uh, Nidispar. Uh, Nidispar, yeah. He's been uh, he's been running his campaign uh, ever since we deployed, and I mean the progress we've made is just kind of its own testament to his success. Like we've destroyed so many IHUBs in Tinal already that we've basically, Tinal is basically a dead zone now. There's almost nothing going on in Tinal anymore. All the people that used to live in Tinal had to be moved back into branch or decline for their operations. And Tinal is kind of like a wasteland at the moment. So well, speaking of IHUBs, there was, there was one IHUB that you didn't kill. And that was the one for the actual staging system for exactly. Ranger yes. Regiment. And that you didn't kill it because there was some sigil that you guys couldn't track very well yes. in your Titans. <laughs> Tell us about that. Yeah, I don't know. I, I wasn't on that fleet, right? But I uh, I asked uh, Vince after what happened because Vince was there for the fleet as well as Nispa. And basically they dropped um, they dropped Titans on a sigil because there was like this one sigil on this one note that would win them the timer. And our subcap fleet was stuck somewhere else. So they decided to drop our Titans on the sigil. But most of our Titans weren't Horgun fit, right? So they were like capital gun fit. So they obviously didn't hit the sigil at all. So it just kind of tanked for long enough to for the node to go through, basically. And then, then uh, the IHOP was secured. It was apparently pretty funny. Vince was pretty mad. And uh, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 like, thinking of that now, I just think it's pretty hilarious, to be honest. It is. I love, uh, Sigil funny. is actually my favorite ship in EVE Online. If somebody were to ask me, it's the Sigil. Uh, A little, little funny story real? for the Sigil. Real? Yeah, I love the Sigil. I do. I, it's... it's uh, I have fond memories of sneaking around LOSEC, picking up uh, planetary interactive materials from planets. But uh, um, Naros, I wanted to ask you, 
you fraternity, mm-hmm. you brought fraternity up there. What was that presence like? How many, how much did you bring up to that effort, to that fight? You mean to that specific fight or in general? That specific, um, let's do both, but that specific fight, how many did you bring up and how many do you have in the area now? Uh, it was Chinese New Year. So it was like a Christmas dinner time, like in China. But I still, I didn't expect, but I still have four fleets of hacks. I have like 120 hacks in millions, which I'm pretty regretful because I was supposed to bring harpies. We could have win the timer if I brought harpies. Ranger Regiment was hiding in a dead end system and I could have go through and just pick them out. But um, I was lost there for five minutes and it was all lost. So yeah. Sure. You were literally lost? Like you... Didn't know where you like, were? Like, I, I formulate. This is like New Year, right? And right. I formulate. I joined the system. And PL bridged me into the system. And they told me, well, the Guns Worm Hack Fleet uh, in front of you. And there's a GOTG Eagle Fleet behind you. So I was like, okay, I'll just stay in the system, protect their intelligence. Because there were like four nodes in the system. I didn't anticipate NC was using fax and buy for us to intelligence which is less efficient because like um, the system was pretty high ADM. And I let Ranger Regiment just sneak around hiding in the dead end for a good 15 minutes and they finished enough notes. Wow. So I heard that you brought, so you brought some subcap fleets, but you also brought some capital fleets, some super capital fleets. Did you not? Right. Uh, we brought 45 Titans, I think, and wow. an equivalent amount of fax machine. I didn't bring any super carriers because I don't want to stuck in the um, tie that fast. If they really were a super cat fight, we just bring millions and shoot to, to do the defense. It's mostly about Thailand's, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I brought a Thailand fleet back after the fight. So you guys uh, in the north there, Killer B, uh, there was a lot of... Um, rallying for this big fight that happened. This was about three days ago. This was Australian time zone, which is also the Chinese time zone, which is um, when uh, Sword Dragon's um, dead coalition should be at their peak strength. And you guys were able to have an amazing showing for a European alliance, based alliance. But you had fraternity, which is also Chinese, uh, to help bolster your numbers. But it was still a massive showing. Was that uh, the biggest showing you guys have had in Australian time zone? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's probably been one of our bigger ones. I don't know if it was the biggest, but uh, certainly uh, a very, very good showing by us. Vince was very happy. He did put his heart and soul into hyping the timer as well. So usually when Vince hypings that much, then numbers are always great. Uh, so mm-hmm. I wasn't really surprised that our numbers were good. Like I didn't expect that many people, obviously, but that was uh, was good. Very good uh, showing for us. Were- and we obviously do appreciate FRT uh, coming up and helping us out with this timer. Like I said in the beginning, it's a very, very big deal that FRT is getting involved because it gives us that edge in the time zone where we wow. struggled previously. We it's now are going to be able to make good pressure. progress. Yeah. A morale what? Yeah, Push? I think it's more of a morale pressure because we had the fleet sitting there. We didn't do much, but um, the FC was like, okay, but turning has 200 people here. So uh, we're just going to pump those timers. They didn't contest like those 10 IHUBs in East Tino, maybe just because my fleet was there, but we didn't engage in any way, right? Yep. No, but, but they did see you there. And so if they engaged, yep. they would know that they were going to meet uh, some heavy resistance. 
With, it's uh, certainly putting uh, a lot of pressure onto that coalition because now they know that their major advantage is basically gone. Um, and that's, I think, something that they're not going to have to realize and start. Well, I mean, obviously the consequence is goons getting involved. It's just well, fact. Goons getting involved in Owasa makes sense on an economic level, right? You want to slow down your rivals' economic structures, but are they also getting involved to try to pull fraternity, try to keep them in at home instead of being able to deploy? There is. I I, I didn't listen to. I try to avoid listening to fireside ch uh, chats and stuff like that. I didn't li don't listen to meta shows either most of the time unless I'm on them. Mm -hmm. Um. So I don't really know what they exactly said on the meta show, but as far as I can see in the TLDR that I was given, basically they are planning to deploy some sort of combat capabilities up here to assist GOTG whenever necessary. Obviously, they're totally just here to third party, but uh, you know, yeah, that's just not true. Put some window dressing on that. Well, it doesn't matter. He Mitani does that. They they're not there to defend the good guys because he doesn't care about the narrative. He was there, he would be there for the Alliance activities, right? And they didn't brought any serious composition. They want to do some experiments yeah, in the north. Yeah, they announced typhoons. Right, typhoon with logistic frigates. Yeah. Hmm. So they're experimenting with doctrines to see what works? I, I really want them to succeed with the typhoons because, but it's kind of like typhoon is a meme in, in FC, like with FCs, because... There's been, I think in my time as an FC, there was probably like 10, 15 times where some FC from some alliance was like, I figured it out, boys. Typhoons are the meta. And then they <laughs> were just complete trash. Like every time typhoons were brought up as a doctor, they were garbage. So I'm just kind of hoping someday, someday they actually succeed. And, you know, goons have been impressing with making some stuff that people thought wasn't happening happen lately. So maybe the typhoons actually uh, are actually going to work this time. Who knows? Yeah, Max springs out. Can I, uh, FC, can I bring my Drake? Well, the new one will be FC, can I bring my Typhoon? <laughs> typhoon, yeah, basically. Everyone so we'll starts to use Missile Vessel in the north, Typhoon, Cerberus, Drakes, you know? Yeah. But I'm not sure, like, I, I don't know, we'll see. I, I just don't think, I think Munins will absolutely destroy Typhoons, for example. That's just boring. Yeah, of course don't it's boring, the, right? Don't you think the buff to have a Missile is not? No, I don't think so. So it's still not enough to bring the typhoons back because typhoons, I I take it, are uh, are they used with missiles? Yeah, typhoons are used with missiles, obviously, such as drakes, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm interested. Like the the so one thing I was actually kind of curious or interested was that there was one timer where that coalition used scram ham drakes, or basically drakes with scrams and heavy assault missiles, which are close range missiles, mm -hmm. so to say. Mm -hmm. And they were fighting uh, a Ferox fleet of ours. They were fairly same in size. And I asked our AOTZFC, so how did the Scram Hamdrakes do? And it's like, it was kind of, they basically replied, it was kind of annoying to be Scram, but we still just killed them faster than they could us. And it's like, okay. The problem with missiles is there's still this one, one very easy counter to missiles, which is just firewalling the missiles. And unless CCP does something about firewalling, I don't see missile comms in large scale being effective because all you have to do is put like three or four ships into your fleet comp that just run their smart bombs permanently and you're going to negate like 30% of the damage just by doing that. And if you are really good and you manage to position the firewalling ships between your fleet and the enemy fleet, you can, and if you like then stagger the smart bombs of different smart bombing ships, you can negate like 80% of the damage because 80, like, just almost no missiles make it through the firewall, basically. 
So, yeah, we'll see how the missile meta plays out. But at the moment, I don't think it'll be very good. Uh-huh. I might be wrong, though. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, there's another thing, Naros, I wanted to ask you about, because I know how hard you work as um, the leader of fraternity. Um, and you run a lot of things, and I think you run a lot of accounts to do it, and you're on all the time. It's rumored that you sleep like two hours a night. Uh, uh, just, I think four hours. Four fair. hours a night. Well, that's pure luxury. Um, <laughs> yeah. But um, I took it a little bit more serious than I did a month before. I feel yes. like during my absence, because I was essentially AFK half of the time during last world. I want to do some compensation for my alliance and coalition. But I spent more time. Oh. You know? so, so you're making up for the time that you're away. Yeah, kind of. Well, you have criticisms from people outside of fraternity that don't understand the situation in there. And the criticisms are that there is only one way that you guys could compete with Delve in... Of course. Yeah, in... Blotting in, issue. Yeah, in creating that much wealth. And that is that you're using bots to do it. Do you want to respond to that? Yeah, sure. You can ask me questions. I want to first respond because I actually spent time, watched Meta Show and listened to Fireside yesterday. I spent 90 minutes on that shit. Uh, I mean, on the conversation. And Mitani, I think, or Brisk was like, um, every alliance has been put up the stereotypes about botting, but fraternities may be one of the most criticized um, alliance in the game in TQ, because we were mostly Chinese, we were mostly from Serenity, and that kind of impression just uh, kept the nails on our line's name. And they it, brought up the screenshot of my holding work, which is a negative one trillion-esque balance value. It wasn't here. It was true. I admit it. Yes, that was right. There was some mismanagement during my last, uh, during my last management. And it was, but it was like a year and a half ago. So that balance was not accurate right now. We're not done that far. We're like slowly paying back CCP and all that. I can't, like obviously I can't share my conversation with a GM or anyone. Besides, mm-hmm. uh, Eli doesn't allow that. But mm, I've been making an effort to, you know, conversation or making communication with CCP about this issue. But in Owasa, like once we started the Tory war, we've basically exterminate every bot from the Alliance. I can say we probably have less bot. I, I picked up one bot for the last two months, ever since we moved out, out of passage. There are people who doesn't. We have Alliance rules. If you bot, it will get airworks and you will get kicked. But we do have people like kind of ignore that. So we just kick the supers. And we killed them on our way out. So I'm pretty kill- confident. I wish Paligoro will like um, at least disclose some kind of information about the bans based on regional and alliance nowadays. Like not for over a decade, but the last year, maybe people will see actually how many people in fraternity are banned for body, and how many people are banned uh, from OASA or out of passage for body. Right. Uh- so I didn't see the meta show or the uh, fireside chat this time around. Normally I do, but so I don't know what's going on with the accusations or anything, but I do know that fraternity works pretty hard at uh, creating opportunities for their people to go out and PVE. And then you guys are pretty active as players, right? 
Yeah, we are number four, the top four lines in ZK board. If you care about a statistic, we have very active players on. Our comps, like yesterday in Fireside, uh, Mitani have 900 people, maybe 800 people in Mumbo. Where I make my soda, I make my alliance meeting, I have over a thousand. So you guys are big. Maybe you're not given enough credit for how big you actually are. Well, I don't know. I just think fraternity is a, it's a alliance that's big enough to justify itself either by its killable stats or by its MER. You know? So it doesn't like, okay, yeah, fraternity, you have so few people, but you make so many, but you are like allocating so many resources, then you must be buying. Is doesn't like that because like if you count resources per capita, we might not be the best in the game because we have so many people and so many new players, especially. Right. Okay. Are you worried that uh, you are now on the radar for uh, the Imperium, who's now sending people to disrupt your economy? You're right. Oh, of course. Like NGSA has been one of the most successful thing Swarm does over the few years. They if I remember correctly, they spend half a year in Zaclan and Branch and maybe Fade to completely destroy GOTG before the, before the war they had, right? But it was led by Asher, I think, and they have an active staging system in pure blind, so it's easier to bridge subs. While in Jong, it doesn't always work like that way. Um, Jay sat yesterday in John. John region is so isolated. It's like an extra challenge students have never tried before. They currently stage in FDZ. Um, I think I will see. I've planned this because I knew after we got evicted from Tutorial, I knew once if we go to drone region, we will have pretty good MER. And by that time, I don't think students will allow anyone to break their records or, you know, steal their position in the MER. So they will, they will deploy the campus sooner or later. I just didn't expect it happened after like two months after we moved to John region. But we are prepared. Yes. I'll make a lines update tomorrow just in response to this. Oh, good. So we have uh, some official announcements coming out of fraternity. So your reaction plan basically to what's, what's happening. Yes. Yeah, we'll look forward to that. Um, we have seen you be very communicative with your group. Uh, you've been talking to them, I think, at least two or three times. You've given uh, announcements to your alliance about what was going on. Can you tell us now what is going on uh, between you and uh, Ranger Regiment or Army of Mango or all the other major Chinese groups? Sure. Uh, I think Willie has maybe the best understanding among all the alliance leaders in the game about this Chinese alliances and their grudge. This and like he said, it's super super personal. I was not from Serenity. I play, I played TQ the like ever since I played Eve, uh, maybe seven years ago or so you, eight years you, ago. You've never played on the Chinese server, like you have no. No, I not. I didn't. But my personal problem with. Um, with AOM, with Army of Mangoes, FC, he also like didn't happen in Serenity. He played maybe even longer than I did. He played over a decade from TQ. He was in, uh, what was that? Corp? That was pretty famous. 
RNK. It was in RNK. Like, are, we talk, so, are we talking about Fulcrum? Yes, Fulcrum. The, the character we had Fulc- some prisoner issue um, years ago. And he was in another Chinese corp in Gunsburg. Uh, it was the PLA corp. So our problem has started here and it's not over yet. Uh, huh. As for Range Regiment, I think we reset them over because AOM has a plan to leave Omist and migrate a whole coalition, or I'm sorry, migrate a whole alliance to the north or at least poach some corpse from the north because they saw like Range Regiment is under siege. Maybe the people want to leave. But either case, I would not allow AOM to grow in that size as speed. So I was like, okay, so uh, Range Regiment leadership accepted requirements from AOM leadership, which means they're now strategicalized, at least in some way. And they just officially blew each other a few weeks ago. They became allies. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of the last thing that nailed me. Um, I don't have a personal issue with Rangers at all. Like they were our, they were in our coalition, but we, but they left on like friendly term, and we've been blue ever since they come to this server, maybe over two years now. It's just quite sad the leadership decided to ally with AOM. Now was and that? A- I don't think the line members are under any kind of blame. Mm-hmm. Was that a function of? I, I'm going to bring it back up. Uh, the Miss Rabbit um, deal that was yeah, made? Yeah, probably. So you think that's what kind of brought them together? Uh, I think she definitely plays a key role uh, among this, is, like coronation or allies. Is she still Sorry, playing? Is she yeah, still playing she's still a key role? She's, uh, she's super active in AOA. She's in charge of their super capital construction and stuff. Oh, wow. We'll have to get her on the show to ask her about that. But you're saying that she is one of the key links between uh, Army of Mangoes in the South, Chinese organiz- Chinese uh, alliance, grouping up with Ranger Regiment way up in the north on the other side of the map. Uh, she has brought those two groups together. And you don't have a problem with Ranger Regiment in the north, but you do have a problem with Fulcrum. It's a personal problem, who is a key member of Army of Mangoes. Yeah, for Collins, they had FC and maybe the second hand uh, co-CEO of AOM. It's just kind of like a personal issue extended towards that. Got it. Well, Eve has been known to bring out personal issues in the, uh, between people, so it's not rare at right. all. Some of the best wars are personal issues. All right, I'm going to bring, uh, since we have Scott here, I'm going to bring him back in so, uh, uh, so we have him on screen. But I want to throw this question out there because it's really talking about a lot of money that is uh, in and out of the game kind of being mixed around with motives that are in and out of the game again. So uh, what I was going to bring up was your opinions on uh, somebody was saying that Ranger Regiment was paying their, some of their fleet guys to get into fleet, like actually paying real money for them to fleet up. And uh, some people at NC dot thought, well, that's RMT. And that's RMT. That's not real money trading for items in the game. That's paying people to show up and to participate in this game. Uh, in fact, NC was at the same time giving out, well, I don't know if they did, but they wanted to give out uh, super carriers to incentivize people showing up in the game. But, uh, but that's a in-game. Dreads, right? not super carriers. Oh, I thought they were Nick. Out of proportion. 
Uh, I thought they were Nixes, no? No, it's Dreads. We gave Dreads and uh, some misc away for right. fleet participation. I mean, that's standard procedure, right? I don't know. I, I, that's the first I mean, time I've seen really. Well, okay. Not I mean, really. I, what I've noticed, I spent a lot of time with goons. and You're in goons for it, right? Yeah. I was. I mean, I haven't been in for a long time, but uh, yeah, I mean... That was a big part of the success of goons is throwing ships at people to do things in whatever needed done. And I don't think it's RMT. I mean, if you were giving real money for people to play in game, that's even weirder. But I think in game money for people to turn up to battle makes like complete sense. I don't actually know. Like, I want, so we, we, got, we, we get the R uh, pings, right? And obviously, not a lot of us speak Chinese. So we have this like translator bot that, that translates the R uh, pings into English. But this translator bot is terrible. So the <laughs> language, like the sentences don't make a lot of sense. So I was like trying to read these R pings about like how they were going to, because there was like a bunch of pings, uh, as you said, that basically said, if you show up to fleet, you're going to get some money in the real world for it. Because they were basically trying, like Nora said, that timer was on like the, the equivalent of New Year's Eve dinner time, right? So yeah. most of the people will spend their time with their family and they wanted to incentivize people for spending it with Eve instead of their families. Um, but I don't actually know, like sort of translator, all it was talking about was like some red letters and some weird right. stuff. It's a red envelope. It's a tradition. A red envelope. Tradition. Yeah, that's right. Ah, oh, okay. Yeah. Red, red envelope. So that's actually a thing in China. Yes. Is it like where you put money in or something? Right. You put small amount of money in the red envelope. So wishing you, um, uh, like fast fortune for the new year is a yeah. Chinese tradition. Red is a color now. for red is a color for fortune, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's why you have, uh, I believe, why some houses have red doors. This is like part of feng shui. I, I don't know. Anyway, I'm off topic. But the uh, the red envelope then is money and good fortune. Uh, right. I think they were they they source fund like crowdfunded maybe. Uh, 3,000 Chinese currency and those were split randomly among maybe 300 people in the fleet. So it wasn't a lot of money basically per person, right? It was maybe like 10 bucks per person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So to say. It's not a lot. Okay. more of a like, um, you know, token issue. Uh, okay. Kellon, uh, maybe you can come back in here. You're an FC and probably a really good one along with these other guys. Uh, um, would, would you think it's okay this is open to all you guys too, but Kellon first. To have an FC that's paid, like it seems to me like it would be fair since they're creating a lot of content for players that you would say, yeah, we can give you real money in order to do that sort of thing. It's been done, right? It's been done in the past by Russian alliances that basically paid, paid their main FCs a full-time wage to just play the game. And I think personally it's fine because it's not the content we create, it's the time we spend. Like when I when I did the campaign commanding for World War B, I spent sixteen hours a day on Eve Online, not necessarily playing the game, but you know doing all the talking and Discord warrior stuff. It it, it cost me. I wasn't able to do anything but play Eve. Basically, I slept, I woke up, I ate, and I played Eve all day long, and I didn't get any money. <laughs> I was stupid. I didn't ask for money. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, like when you spend that kind of time and you basically give up your real life for it then yeah, why, why wouldn't you, like, I think it's fine to pay them. But I don't know if it's like a course I would want to take. I mean, so yeah. CCP's policy on RMT is pretty much designed to prevent money 
coming out of the game, right? Rather than going into the game. They're all about money going into the game. So money moving around the outside of the game is probably not RMT by their definition. Yeah, it's like a third-party software is allowed. It, so they can't it- can track it. Like Now we talk publicly about it, but there's no way that CCP can find out if I spend a lot of time playing EVE. They don't know if somebody sent me $2,000 on PayPal. Like, how are they going to know that? It has nothing to do with their game. That's uh, funny you not- called you call huh? PayPal PayPal, which is like from the Pope. Pay- PayPal, PayPal, yeah. whatever. <laughs> Space Pope. Yeah, Space Pope's paying everybody off through PayPal. So, uh, yeah, it's it's not it's not RMT. It's probably morally questionable, but it's not it's not RMT. Is it though? Uh, that's what I don't understand. Like, is it morally questionable? Some people will make a fuss about it. I can tell you that. Well, yeah, that's why I I'm bringing care. it up. If if Vince would offer to pay me like three k a month to just play Eve, and he would put it in a contract where I would be guaranteed for the next five years or something, I'd probably take the offer. To be honest, like I'd probably do it, but that's not going to happen. So why even talk about it? Yeah, I don't think anyone could afford my salary. To be honest. Yeah, I mean, like I said, <laughs> to be honest, I wouldn't like I make more now in my job, right, than that. But if I would have, basically, I'm okay making less money because. I am not the kind of person that only cares about making money personally. All I, all I want is enough money so I can live comfortably, basically. And if I would have to trade a bunch of money for, quote-unquote, only playing computer games, but still making enough to live comfortably, then I would trade the money for it, yeah. It's like, I mean, maybe you're in a position where your job is your passion and you really love your job and everything. I do like my job, but I don't love it. Like, if somebody would come along and be like yo you can be a pro gamer or you can just make money playing computer games i'm i would be very much willing to trade some of my money away for it basically let's say i make maybe i make like half of what i make with my job in the real world but i make you know half of that by just playing computer games i would probably take that if if half of that is enough to live right properly right right why why doesn't like wouldn't it be interesting if ccp came out and said you know what um, there's a lot of companies that will sponsor players and uh, give them money, set them up in a certain lifestyle to be able to play the game and perform at a high rate, take away their worries in real life for a while. And why there isn't an Eve though, right? What's that? There isn't an Eve because there isn't there. there, I mean, that stuff happens all the time. There's like so many professional esports teams and they pay those people. They give those people a house to live in. They give those people the best gaming equipment there is. They pay them a really good wage. Like if you're with a good team, if you're with a good team like Cloud9 or TSM, you get paid a really good wage. But the problem is that EVE doesn't have the money. Like there's not enough people care about EVE for any company uh, to go in for that because it's not worth it for the company. The game is big enough. But yeah, they, they're paying for sponsorship for a viewing audience to say, hey, this guy is sponsored by, let's say, Razer, for instance. But let's say CCP doesn't care about sponsorship. It cares about having 15 guys that they pay in order to make sure that content is still going in EVE Online. I mean, I think it would be great, but I don't think CCP's ever going to do that. CCP, I have my opinion and my experience with the management of CCP and talking to the management of CCP, they undervalue the players in the sense that, and maybe that's my point of view because obviously I am a content, or I was a content creator, a big content creator, but the publicity alone that CCP got from, for example, World War B or any of the other big wars, and those wars wouldn't have happened with those FCs being involved in them. 
and those wars wouldn't have happened with all the people that made those wars happen or whatever. Like there was never, there's, there's not never like any kind of thank you or something from CCP, right? They provide the game and then they make all these articles. They talk to all the press and they're like, well, we've got this amazing war going on in our game, you know? And it's like the people that actually make the war happen, they don't really get any sort of uh, gratitude. There was the first, like, I was kind of happy after World War B because I was actually approached by CCP to make trailers with them. So I made a bunch of the scope videos, right, with CCP around the time we killed uh, CO2 and uh, in tribute, yeah. right? And when we killed the MTechO Keepstar, I was approached by CCP and was like, well, we know that this war is going on and you're about to kill the first defended Keepstar or something. How about you want to make some scope videos with us? And I was really thrilled about that because I thought, finally, there's a way for me to you know, kind of immortalize myself in the EVE uh, lore by having a scope video where I basically, I talk like there's my voice is in the scope video, right? Yeah. So that's pretty cool. And But nothing like that has ever happened before. And ever since then, it never really happened again. So I'm just kind of sad, like, hmm. there's, like, <laughs> CCP like a, doesn't seem to care enough. You're like a washed-up Hollywood star. Like, uh, after, after your, your fame is peaked, you're no longer, like, a big thing. Well, Kellon, you're a, an FC2, but in a, in a different way, smaller teams. Uh, would you, like, what would you think about being paid to FC? Uh, I mean, it'd be really awesome to be paid to FC. Because, um, I mean... I wouldn't consider anything different from what like YouTube does. Cause let's say you make a YouTube channel showing you have seen fleets, then would, wouldn't that be okay? So I mean, getting direct payment from players that have seen them. I mean, also yeah, have you ever heard of like team D people pay people to DM campaigns, right? Do they? No, yeah. Yeah. Is, is it, uh, paying people to FC fleets is not against anything. I feel, I mean, you're paying them for their time to lead you in the fleets. As long as FC isn't also providing like, oh, well, you paid for a fleet, so here are all, all the ships you should have and provide the ships because then that gets into the realm of our team, right? I just think it's such a gray area and everybody has such fixed positions on it that are already there. I mean, if, if you look at talking in stations, we, uh, we report what's going on and even tell people what's out there. And we've done it for four solid years without missing weekends. I think we missed three in the first year. And it's like, it's a real-time job for, it's a real-time side gig for a lot of people, including myself and that sort of thing. Uh, and I, for that, I put out my hat and say, I'm collecting tips and sponsorships if you guys want to like incentivize us, uh, myself specifically. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it's kind of an unsaid thing, right? Scott, you're, um, you're somebody who's like done very well on this medium with, um, YouTube and you have a great amount of viewership and all that. That all started with Eve. What's your opinion on this gray area? I mean, obviously, I mean, I started, I, I kind of started making Eve videos because I thought I would get referrals. And then it turned into obviously getting ad money and stuff from YouTube. And I get a significant amount of cash from it. And, you know, early on, you if you wanted to post game videos to YouTube, you had to get like a signed document from the creators of the game to show YouTube so that they would let you do it. And they kept on, you know, stopping advertising on my Eve videos because I didn't have this. It took forever to get YouTube to like, um, you know, to approve of this. But um, yeah, I think obviously in the case of promoting stuff on social media and making money from that, CCP is probably completely fine with it because 
again, the money is kind of moving around the outside of the game, but more importantly, it's raising awareness, which is beneficial to them. I think any of this stuff ultimately comes down to where where does the money go? And does it ultimately help or hinder uh, CCP's business? So uh, I, I think that working around the periphery is obviously great. And, and yeah, if you're sh- exchanging in-game items for real money in any way, even if it's outside the game via PayPal, yeah, that's totally not cool, right? That's, that's not allowed. But that's a lot harder for them to police. But I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't see any problem with, uh, you know, paying your FCs. Because God, FC is a really hard job. I would be terrified. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I think it's very interesting because um, the reason I brought you into this is that on, in a different way, you are taking your in-game items, right? This gold magnet that Kenlon, uh, uh, Kellon, sorry, Kellon sold. Yeah. And you're taking it and using it as an opportunity to cash out for a good cause through CCP. Yeah, I mean, I've got all this cash and I'm not going to be able to, I'm certainly not going to RMT it. No, I mean, I'm playing by the rules of the game and I'm really excited that uh, CCP comes up with this Plex for good because it is a way that lets me turn this vast amount of in-game stuff that I'm not, you know, I'm never going to be able to use it all in-game, even if I was playing actively. It lets me turn it into something real, make a real difference. And you know, the fact that there's this sort of these stories now going around about the most expensive internet spaceship, that's sort of icing on the cake even as well. I'll be able to turn that into content and get clicks and get views. I, I didn't even think about that until afterwards. But, you know, it's yeah. <laughs> it's kind yeah. of a, a fringe benefits that's starting to be, be, you know emerge. Um, yeah. But I, as I said, the main thing for me that started was I just wanted to cash out a bunch of Plex that I was going to have, and I I remember early on finding out about the gold magnates, you know, back in two thousand seven, uh, and and trying to get pick pick up the occasional rare ship, and this of course comes out as one of the rarest ships. So that was kind of a dream, an Eve dream. That all came together, right? It all came together. I love it when a plan comes together. Right. And you happen to have a you happen to be sitting on a pile of Plex. Good for you. Yeah. Well, those were, as I said, those were probably going to for good either way. Well, anyway, it seems like a really gray area. And uh, I wanted to explore that with you guys that all have experience with like um, having an immense amount of commitment to EVE Online and uh, in some cases moving a lot of money in the game around. And also the third party aspect of uh, basically creation of support materials for EVE Online, whether it be media, advertising, <laughs> any of that stuff and how that all fits in. It's very, yeah. I think it's a very gray area. There was another gray area that I encountered early on. thought, oh, I'll have like a lottery if people sign up as subscribers to my channel, I can give them Plex. And then I checked that out with uh, CCP and they were like, yeah, don't do that. That's, that's, <laughs> that's probably RMT. So, you know, offering Plex as lottery prizes for real world subscriptions, they were not happy with. So it never happened. Oh, so you checked that out? Yeah, I asked nicely. I, I think yeah. I, I asked yeah. Hilmar when he was at GD and he was like, ah, don't do that. <laughs> oh, my. Uh, I, I missed all that because my connection gets really bad after the oh, I see. 90 minute mark. 
Well, Hilmar was at GDC and I asked him about, you know, Plex competitions. He was like, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> we like you. Don't do that. Yeah, and you've really brought a lot of people to the game. So it's like, it's a good thing that you have been around and continue to be around. I got to stress that even although I don't play the game because I don't have the time, I'm still very excited by the game. And I'm, I'm, I love following what's going on. And I, it was great when I logged back in and I found all these skills and precursor frigates and weapons. Like, well, I haven't trained any of that. I'm going to have to learn what all this stuff is about, though. Maybe I will find some time to play. <laughs> nice. Well, we know you're busy with um, Kerbal Space Program. Is, has the number second version of that come out not not yet no no I'm, I'm i'm very much moved away from games the games are very rare all real science these days if you've got a question on rocket science or stars or astronomy i'm i'm there to answer it for you yeah did you see that uh spacex rocket uh, oh yes oh yeah i saw it from every single angle every single camera i could find we measured the debris coming off of it to figure out that it was the dummy second stage with the you know, had, had torn at the top of the oxygen tank. We figured out it was going about Mach 1 when it hit the water and maybe massed about 100 tons. Yeah, this is the nerdery that I get into all the time. I had to get up at, like, you know, ridiculous AM to watch that as well. Well, you're, you're from EVE Online, so it doesn't surprise me, but it still kind of surprises me. Yes. What do they call you, by the way? Like a, an Argonaut or something? No, I call myself the internet rocket scientist these days. Oh, okay. Yeah, in your Wikipedia listing, they had a, a name for you. It was like a, a gamer plus... Oh, oh Astrono Gamer was, was like a thing. Yeah. Astrono. Yeah, that was because Astro Gamer was trademarked. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But I think Scott Manley is just the best way to credit me. Yeah. All right, great. And you're still putting out like two episodes per week. Uh, two to three, on... yeah. And, then, and they're all science, all really well researched. Yeah, well... Um, have to check those out. Yeah. All right. I want to thank everybody for showing up. Uh, we, uh, we probably had other news, but we'll have to pick those up with uh, today and EVE Online. I've started doing that again, so you can see uh, some TIS every morning. Uh, check it out on Monday. We usually come on around the same time as this show, and uh, we'll just uh, pick up the headlines and uh, run with it from there. Uh, but we saved Sunday for special shows like this one because we got the chance to talk to Scott Manley. We got the chance to uh, talk to Kelon, Kelon who uh, is a championship, uh, the leader of the team that won the championship for the succession trials. That alone, dude, is like huge. And that's a historic win. Uh, and together on this occasion, they actually brought a bunch of good to the uh, Plex for Good for Australia. That's really burning down these days. It's really terrible. So it's good to, to do that on these uh, shows. Also want to thank Killa B for stopping in and get us, getting us really comprehensively up to date. And of course, Naros, who is the tireless engine behind Fraternity. I no problem. Well, thank you guys very much for coming. Uh, also want to thank everybody else for showing up and uh, joining us this Sunday. We will be back on Wednesday. Oh, let me ask you guys, do you have any last comments before I go? Fly safe. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks again. Um, we will uh, try to raid something that's coming up. It is uh, Girls in Space, I think. Uh, it's a um, Max uh, Singularities thing. It's also uh, an event that's happening now. So we'll. Um, oh, yeah. So Max Singularity. That's uh, Twitch.tv 
slash max underscore singularity. Uh, we'll try to raid that next if they are up. And at 1800, there is a Sunday service. <laughs> that is hilarious because he is the space pope after all. Uh, so check that out. That's actually like in 30 minutes, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, uh, that's all that we have for you uh, today. We will see you next time on Talking in Stations. <laughs> <laughs>